it's a pretty heavy lift to go from the hyper palatable diet of the average first world consumer, food consumer, to like a raw vegan diet. So, you know, they, that would make people's heads explode. And so what I've done is tried to figure out ways to, to um, kind of just sneak in the back door. Like I, I make this really, really good tuna salad, except instead of using fish, it uses ground up garbanzo sprouts. And, and unless you're extremely sensitive, you'll never, you can't tell the difference. Hey everyone, welcome back to Creating a Vegan World. My name is Andrew Alexander, and today we have Robert Schwartz, founder and CEO of Organic Sprout Box. And in today's video, he's gonna talk about sprouting and how this is beneficial for yourself, the environment, and other aspects around it. So thank you for joining us, Robert. Hey, thanks for having me. Great, so I guess the first question I'm gonna jump into before your story is what is sprouting? And what are the benefits? Sprouting is, well, sprouting, and I, bring, I brought a little kit here. So sprouting is taking a seed, these would be adzuki seeds, and then starting the germination process by putting them in a jar. We're gonna put in three spoonfuls. And then, and then filling it with some water. And you'd let that sit about eight hours. I normally do it overnight. <clears throat> and then the next stage of the seed would happen, let's just say that this was so trade hours. I pour out the water and put it on this kit, let that excess water drain out, right? Which is really important because you don't want to be sitting in, in water because this is the respiration phase where they breathe and they get life. And so after the first eight hour soak, you're just rinsing them and draining them twice per day for azuki beans, five days, and it would fill up about that much of it. And then for me, I, I just put azuki beans in just about anything. So I, I made a, a breakfast this morning, was azuki beans fried up with some potatoes and onions and then topped with some rainbow chard and it was just delicious. And it has a very, very high nutritional content too. Yeah, I was going to say, what are the benefits? Because I've heard of sprouting before. I had a friend where they were like sprouting on their counter. I was like, okay, they taste kind of interesting. But um, in terms of nutrition, like what's really the health benefits of it for people who don't know? Well, it, so the seed has so many um, enzymes and amino acids that are just have to be supercharged in order to make it grow into a plant. And, and you're going to get all of those in a concentrated form. So they're never going to be more than those that they're just going to be dispersed evenly throughout the plant. And each particular sprout has its, its own real benefit. But the, the thing that will be noticeable immediately when you start doing a sprout diet is the fiber is going to make you healthier in just about every aspect of your life. 
because the leafy sprouts have a lot of the water soluble fiber and then the bean sprouts have the non water soluble fiber and those working in conjunction just clean out your arteries your triglycerides will go down your heart heart um, uh, blood pressure will go down for me my heart rate went down my resting heart rate and uh, yeah, they're just a, a really lot of fun to, to make and, and include in your, um, in your diet. And, and for, in America, as you know, the, the real um, thing that I'm pushing up against is not the health aspect of it, because everyone is motivated about that, but there's also a lot of, um, uh, it, a lot of it goes in the spam filter because you hear so much about health all the time. But what I've noticed is the convenience. So, so, you know, give me convenience or give me death is, was a prediction in the eighties and has now come true. And, um, and making sprouts really convenient and really easy to make is the biggest barrier to entry um, that I know of, because anyone, you know, you don't have to put much thought into it to figure out that a sprout is probably the best thing you could add to your diet. Yeah, speaking to a registered uh, dietitian, where Lisa Simon, she's on the channel, where she's talking about, I forget, was it broccoli sprouts or some type of sprouting where you list the health benefits. I had high triglycerides last year when I got my blood work, and like obviously it could help people like me, but it just seems complicated, but like the way you described it there, like you actually showed it, it just, it's easier than you think, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's totally, it's totally easy. And you just have to chip away at things, you know, like it's a pretty heavy lift to go from the hyper palatable diet of the average first world consumer, food consumer to like a raw vegan diet. So, you know, they, that would make people's heads explode. And so what I've done is tried to figure out ways to, to um, kind of just sneak in the back door. Like I, I make this really, really good tuna salad, except instead of using fish, it uses ground up garbanzo sprouts. And, and unless you're extremely sensitive, you'll never, you can't tell the difference. And, and being able to, you know, kind of right off the back of popular dishes is really, oh. for me, the people who have the most to contribute to the vegan cause and the environmental cause are people who are presently consuming a lot of meat and other unhealthy foods. And so anything I can do to get them, and they contribute the most because they do the most damage, right? So them stopping would be the greatest help. So anything I can do to kind of, you know, inch them towards that is, is something that I take a, a really a lot of pride in. And um, I should probably tell you about how I started sprouting at some Absolutely. point. That's my next question. Like you said, you had a unique story. Uh, how you got into it? Yeah, so I um, I grew up in an area that I was referring to earlier where they just have fast food type places. And, um, and so my diet generally consisted of, it was called Byron's Hot Dogs. It was on Irving Park in Chicago. 
and and pretty much that. And uh, one summer, I took a job helping someone sell sprouts at a farmer's market, and this was 1987, I think. So this is the the dark ages of health food, and. So a lot of the bean sprouts, like the lentil sprouts and garbanzo sprouts and, and adzuki sprouts wouldn't get sold and they, they can't of course resell them. So we just took them home. So, and, and then I would keep them. And so if I was too broke or lazy to go fill myself with a hot dog and fries, I would cook with the sprouts. And pretty soon just cooking with the sprouts became my default instead of my Oh, I'm starving. I'll eat these, and um, and then I've I've done it for the most part ever since, and then have regretted it when I haven't done it because I, my body's used to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love your approach. Where I follow the same thing when I was shifting from junk food vegan to a healthier whole foods plant based. I'm still not 100 percent there yet, but just like slowly working things at a time because. I think they're like the all or nothing approach with diets. If you try a crash diet, then like you'll fail after a couple of days, but you start adding things in and it becomes the norm. And it's a much more, I guess, sustainable way to do it in the long term. So, yeah. You yeah. And I think that might be the only solution because from there are people way smarter than me who <laughs> claim that there are bacteria in your gut that actually can hijack your brain. And, and so, um, if your gut bacteria is mad, which it might get if you switched all at once, your brain is gonna to have to do some, some real heavy lifting to get over that. Definitely. I think, uh, yeah. switching gears for a second, one of the things you talked about, you alluded to it, and before we started recording the interview was the food deserts. So do you wanna describe, I guess, in the US, like what a food desert is and um, why it happens? Sure, sure. So. That, that word is not completely accurate. So what, what we would like to call them is nutritional wastelands because that's exactly where they are or nutritional swamps. And, with, and they're generally in urban areas that are low income. And for miles, all you will see, church's chicken, McDonald's, liquor store that has chips and stuff like that and then something similar to a 7-Eleven, basically a gas station without the gas. And, and that's your, your, um, your food choices. And there's been some small steps made of opening up a community garden here and there, but it's really not, uh, it's not a serious effort, all right? And, um, the effects of having those is most people know that if you raise children, you know there's a huge effect in what they eat and how they act, right? And, and so if, if you, you know, magnify that a million times by giving people this awful fat, salt, sugar, hyperpalatable food, you're, you're gonna have a result that's gonna not be consistent with what we need to have a healthy, active life, right? And the, for me, I, I've been around for, since the 60s when I was born and I could figure out what was going on by the 70s. 
And there's a really lot of these and they're not getting any better. In fact, they're in some ways they're getting worse because now even Walmart is not in some rural areas and all they have is the dollar store to go in and buy their food unless they're willing to drive 30 miles or something. So anyways, people need to start being able to be more self-sufficient and do for themselves because the, the system is set up to not help them in any serious way with, with nutrition. And, and a really easy way to do that would, would be sprouting and might be the only way. And uh, after realizing that, I looked at the barriers to entry, like why aren't people sprouting? Because it has a, a hippie connotation to it. And uh, it's kind of messy unless you have something like this. If you don't have the right setup, if you haven't put some thought into your setup, it'll be messy. This is never makes any kind of mess. And, um, and people don't know how to cook with them is the three biggest uh, hurdles we have to climb. Absolutely. Normalizing them where I think, was it 2016, not even like five or six years ago, where it just seemed like that whole, the hippie type of thing. But now that I'm more into the vegan community, like people are mm -hmm. just a little bit more health conscious going towards the mainstream a little bit. I see it talked about more and more. So it's kind of like one of those things where it starts over here, very few people, more and more, and then eventually it keeps going. So so, um, so yeah. recently, some guy from your neck of the woods uh, named Doug Evans wrote a book and and he he's basically the Jesus Christ of sprouting. I mean, super enthusiastic, the most knowledgeable person in a lot of ways. Um, and it's just super into the health aspects of it. And yeah, but he's, he's another one. It's, it's, it's not accessible to most people. Like he lives off the grid. He eats mostly sprouts and jackfruit and avocado. And that's, and that's great, but you know, that's a heavy lift for a lot of people. Absolutely. And you also mentioned there's an environmental impact for not doing this. And that's one of the things you wanted to uh, share with the world. Yeah, yeah. So, so sprouting is, is the most elite environmentalistic um, activity you can do, except for, I guess, foraging, right? Going to the forest and, and picking stuff up. And it's really important that we, you know, that if you believe that we have any impact at all on climate change, and, and you believe that, that us mitigating that would be a good idea, you should probably wanna hit at it from every angle and, and sprouting just helps you hit at it in a, in a really easy way. So it doesn't use topsoil and people who are familiar with that in, in America, we have a very serious topsoil problem because they just put in uh, fertilizers and, um, pesticides in the soil and it and it just kind of wears it out after a while they don't rotate the crops and stuff like that and um so it obviously uses no topsoil they don't use any plastic packaging right because you're you just take them out of the jar and eat them or put them in the, the oven and eat them you don't have to refrigerate them unless you're going to save them but they don't like there's no truck that's refrigerated truck that's driving around, which is, is a very lot of pollution from that. Mm -hmm. And, and um, uh, 
And then there's very limited transportation costs because the transportation to get it here, it's this much food. And then when it's done, it's that much food. So it, it really helps in, in uh, every category of, of food-based environmentalism. You know, the, the most in, one of the most important environmental aspects of it is, is that it, it, it can really take the place of meat in a lot of ways, in an easy way for, for people who are accustomed to that. And, and anything we can do to kind of chip away at the what history will damn us as the most unethical behavior possible to animals. You know, even like I live in rural Oregon. So if I want to have eggs, my neighbor or the guy down the block has eggs. My kids and my dogs play with their chickens. And when their chickens are done laying eggs, they just stay on the property as pets. Mm-hmm. And so you can live a, a kind of a different type of life here, but no one else is really, you know, the percentage of the population has got to be almost zero that gets to live like that. And the, the other chickens are just tortured and it's just crazy. <laughs> and I'm sure the history will be very, you know, they'll look at us the way we look at people a couple hundred years ago and just, you know, what the actual, where you thinking it's like you said the normalcy in society where like normalizing something like this where um go back to the food deserts as i call them sorry you said nutritional wastelands that's a better one where right. when i was living in boulder colorado we had the farmers markets but sometimes i went to like areas of denver where i'm driving mm-hmm. and it's just like fast food restaurant convenience store fast food restaurant and like before i got aware of the things you're talking about it was just that was just normal So when I first heard the term, like I said, food desert, I just pictured something in the middle of like rural Texas that's like far away from everything else. But this is, these are like things happening in the middle of bigger cities and especially there. So going back to normalizing it, where looking back in history, once people are part of the new normal, it's obvious, but it's hard to break out of it psychologically. Yeah, yeah, it it really is. And uh, there's a, a girl, Greta Thornburg, um, who's a climate uh, activist of sorts. Who's, I think she's uh, in her early 20s or late teens. <clears throat> but yeah, she she's done exactly what you're talking about with with the climate in a lot of ways. Like I, she just said something that I couldn't believe. The people she she was invited to speak by these world leaders. And she was like, thank you for your action. And I don't mean action on climate change. I mean, like, pretend, like you're role playing. <laughs> that was just great. And uh, yeah. So, but, but getting back to the sprouting. So there's, can I walk you through a little tiny bit of the, um, how this actually, how it goes down and the kind of commitment people have to make in order Absolutely, to do something yeah. like this? All right. So your first commitment is putting a few spoonfuls of seeds into each jar and letting them soak for eight hours. So that's going to take about a minute or two. And then when I let them soak, I'll normally put um, some kind of covering on it in order to replicate dark because it's supposedly underground. 
And then when we, when we pour out the water and rinse them, you let them sit upside down for a couple minutes while you have your coffee or do your morning exercises and then set it right side up. And once again, put the towel loosely over it in order to make it think it's dark and it's underground. And then we'll just repeat that every morning and night. And then in five days, three days for some of them, you'll have a good amount of very edible food. And you're, so you're looking at about two minutes per day, one minute in the morning and then one minute in the evening. Now, if you get gourmet about it, which I try to do, when, when you have the, the alfalfa seeds, you'll need to put, a, or the alfalfa sprouts, you'll need to put the alfalfa sprouts in a bowl of water and then fill up the water and skim the hulls off the top. When the hulls are fine, but, but it, it looks a lot cooler on the plate when it's just that super vibrant green and with the crunch and everything, it's just an amazing addition to any meal. That's great. And on your website and like when people order, is it something you have instructions or like recipes and like more information? How yeah, there's a lot of recipes and, uh, and I had a lot of fun doing them and, and I'm trying to, to figure out a way to, to include them in uh, not just American dishes, but, but every cultural dish. So that way, you know, people don't have to give up what they're culturally accustomed to in order to get the incredible nutritional benefits and the unintended environmental benefits by, by adding sprouting to your life. And, you know, we, we really, this COVID thing really kind of, I can't even believe that the government was insane enough to, to not talk about eating healthy and including vitamin D or getting outside. All that other stuff they talked about was fine, but to not add the most critical component of not putting garbage in your mouth three times a day and, and getting some vitamin D by going outside was, was a real, it's really telling that, that they chose not to uh, even remotely encourage people to be healthy during a pandemic, which cost, you know, I mean, it cost me so much. I was a ballroom dancer prior to that. Just to close that down and that, did that push you into organic sprout box? Yeah, it did. So, so that's kind of cool. At least there's uh, some good coming from it. So yeah. it's interesting how like negatives turn into positives. So I guess um, to wrap things up, is there any final messages you want to share with people about sprouting or anything along those lines? Yeah, so for me, sprouting is a really a 21st century victory garden because we do have some real serious uh, ethical and environmental challenges that are in front of us. And even though a victory garden in the 40s was usually a few tomato plants, a corn plant, it was small and didn't have much food, the symbolism of doing that just did so much to unify the country, which we need so bad here in America right now because things are seriously out of control. And, and having you know, a victory garden that everyone can participate in regardless of your income status or your housing, because in, in America, you have to have water. 
right? So um, it's, you can do it, right? And it would just be so nice to see a lot of people really change their, uh, their nutritional uh, intake by adding sprouts to their diet. That's great. And where could they find more about what do you do? Your website, social media? Oh. Yeah, so uh, Instagram is Sprouting Convictions. The website is www.organicsproutbox.com. Organicsproutbox.com. And if we make it really easy. And we're always on the phone for people when they need help. Great. And if you're watching this on YouTube, I put the links in the description. If it's a Facebook long form video, the links will be in the description to go to Robert's website if you want to get into sprouting. Otherwise, search for Creating a Vegan World on YouTube. This interview is there. I put this as a podcast and other places. So thank you so much for your time, Robert. 